0: Welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Welcome, devotees. Now that we've had a palate cleanser after all the, the death, there was a lot of death in the two episodes of history funness. We're going to have some more history funness with Danielle from Your Homicide.
1: Hello. Welcome.
0: Say a little bit about your podcast before we go into this.
1: Yes, our podcast is Hoosier Homicide. It is myself, my husband, and my sister, and we talk about crimes with some random connection to our home state of Indiana. All of which is highly inappropriate and definitely offensive. So you've been warned.
0: Yeah, it's greatly offensive, and if you like to laugh at poop jokes. Which I do, so.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I tell people there's no politics, there's no religion, there's shit jokes, and things like that.
0: Okay, so what are we discussing this week, Danielle?
1: First of all, I am not a history major. I'm not a history person. I passed World Civ because the teacher liked me. Otherwise, I would have gotten a D. <laughs> and so there's, there's that. I'm not, this is not my forte. And... I went to school, and I majored in student loans, and basically I can read and Google things, sometimes just copying and pasting. At least you acknowledge it. So that's, those are my credentials. It's a little lackluster, but I still feel like I should be here.
0: <laughs> the question is, should any of us be here? Probably mm-hmm. not. But we're here, and we won't shut up. Exactly
1: new tagline for the show we're here and we won't shut up <laughs> i like it okay i'm going to tell you how my family is directly responsible for the birth of abraham lincoln 100 percent directly Ooh. responsible without me i'm just gonna go ahead and say me he wouldn't be here okay i could be reaching just a little. But are you a- are you
0: doing like 6 degrees of Kevin Bacon but it's like 6 degrees to Abraham Lincoln?
1: Well, it's actually a direct line I would to but not to him directly. More directly to his I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Springfield, Kentucky, a golf course now encircles the Lincoln Homestead State Park. I've never been there. I'm sure it's lovely, but I don't golf. And they have a cluster of cabins. There now that they have rebuilt to look like. Yeah, it's a tourist trap. Okay, good. I think I read that where it was like, (laughs) "Uh, you know, there's a lot of people here. They come and, you know, do the rigmarole. And so I was like, "Mm, I probably won't ever do that. And they've reconstructed his family cabin. Do you know? Yeah, it's
0: like reconstruction of a cabin from the period. But it's like going to... Wherever Washington had, like, that big fight in Pennsylvania before when he was in the British Army. And it's literally just a bunch, like, a bunch of wood.
1: Yeah. It, as a, it's disappointing. They've encased something in a tomb or, like, a mausoleum. And the number of steps for the number of something of years. I don't know. I read that. Do <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? No. All the better. I believe you. So on June 10th, 1806. So way back in time. Time. Thomas It's my favorite kind of time. Oh yeah, it's the easiest to picture. In fact, I'd be miserable. That's what I can picture. Thomas Lincoln traveled to Washington County Courthouse to obtain a bond to marry Nancy. I can't remember her maiden name, but it doesn't really matter because she comes, she changes it anyways. Two
0: days later. She's a female in the past. No one cares. That is basically most
1: history. Yep, get rid of the maiden name. Moving on. Two days later, the wedding took place in Richard Berry's cabin. I don't know who he is, but I think he had a nicer cabin than other people around. So they're like, let's do the wedding there. And those who attended the wedding had bear meat, which I'm sure is a delicacy nowadays. Venison, wild turkey, some duck, eggs, maple syrup, maple syrup strung up on a string to bite off for coffee and whiskey, syrup and big gourds peaches uh, peaches and honey and a sheep that two families barbecued over coals and wood burned in a pit so they had a party and i mean who
0: that's yeah there's a variety of food there you have you have like several different meats whoever brought
1: the bear meat got first dibs on the whiskey i'm sure
0: uh first dibs on the maple syrup on us on a string ah yes
1: Let's see after the birth of his Okay, after the birth of their daughter Sarah in eighteen oh seven, Thomas uprooted his family and moved southwest to Sinking Spring Farm near Hogdensville, Kentucky. They threw together a tiny do you know where that is? You there? Okay. They threw together a tiny one room cabin with a crude packed dirt floor, a dried clay hearth and chimney, one window with no glass, which to me that does not make it a window, it's a hole in the wall. And an ill-fitting door with a leather hinge. So basically, they're just living in a shack that someone's going to call a cabin.
0: Uh, actually, windows are fairly, like, windows as we know them are fairly, in the term of human history, recent. Hmm. Um, that's why you used to have shutters, because you didn't have glass.
1: Yeah, that's what I was like. I figured they didn't have anything, but they're still going to call it a window. But in my opinion, a window has to have glass. So it's just a hole in the wall. Uh, During the afternoon on Saturday, February 11th, 1809, Nancy told Thomas that the time was getting close. She asked Thomas to get a midwife. Thomas left the cabin, and when he reached the road, he saw a neighbor, Abraham Enloe, then 16. Enloe's mother, Mary Enloe LaRue, that name is important, was a Mm 43-year-old local midwife Low told Thomas to go back and wait with his wife and he promised to send his mother and if he couldn't he would get his half sister 20-year-old Margaret Peggy Larue Walters that is also important. As it turned out <laughs> Peggy Walters was the one who returned to the Lincoln's cabin. She had assisted her mother with other births in the area. So this is my fifth and sixth great grandmother or those Ooh. yeah so that's we were there in Abraham Lincoln's mother's vagina. That's where the hands <laughs> That's how I'm connected. All,
0: all up in there.
1: <laughs> yes. I um, Hands deep. Yep. Elbows deep, probably. So Peggy LaRue recounts, I was 20 years old then. Helping to bring a baby into the world was more of an event to me than it became afterwards. But I was married young and had a baby of my own. And I had helped my mother, who, as you know, was quite the famous as a granny woman, which I've never heard that term until now. But I like it. And I had gone several times to help when I was sent for. They sent for me quite as soon as there was any need, for when I got there, nothing much was happening. So I was there before them, and we all had a, quite a spell to wait, and we got everything ready that we could. This was like the most information I could find was her account. <laughs> I mean, the fact that there's still an account is pretty impressive. Yeah, I was like, man, that's what I think they have it because she's saying she remembers it because it was one of her, like, earlier deliveries, they were poor folks, but so were most of their neighbors, and they didn't lack for anything they needed. Nancy had a good feather bed under her. It was a goose feather bed. Hardly anyone had that kind then, but good hen feathers, and she had blankets enough. There was a little girl there, two years old. Her name was Sarah. When She went to sleep before much of anything happened. She was a toddler. She was bored. <laughs> Nancy had about as hard as time as most women, I reckon. Easier than some, and maybe harder than a few. It all came along kind of slow, but everything was regular and all right. The baby was born just about sunup on Sunday morning. I remember it because I remember it better than I do some cases that came later because I was young and hadn't had so much experience as I had afterward. Tom Lincoln was mighty anxious about his wife while she was suffering and mighty good for her too and they were both proud and happy that it was a boy. <laughs> you couldn't tell much about the birth of a baby except that you were there and the baby was born sure. but you can tell whether folks want the baby or not and whether they love or hate each other on the account of it. I was young then and I noticed and remembered everything. I remembered it a heap better than I remember much that happened afterward. I tell you I never saw a prouder father than Tom Lincoln and I never saw a mother more glad than Nancy to know that her baby, was a boy so that's her account sorry if that was a mouthful oh
0: no i love primary sources and that's like the best kind of primary sources right from someone writing about it
1: that came from indiana history blog that's where i got that and i have no reason to doubt it because she's saying nothing fancy happened (laughs) except i was there On February 12th, Nancy gave birth to her son, Abraham. Thomas Lincoln eventually lost the title to the 340 acres that was compelled, and they were compelled to move. In 1811, he took the family 10 miles east and built a new cabin alongside Knob Creek on an old turnpike road between Louisville and Nashville. A few miles away at Ashtonville, Ashtonville? a road marker identifies Mm -hmm. the spot, and that is where he and his sister first attended Blab School. Which is people yelling at each other for learning purposes <laughs> i hadn't ne- I hadn't heard of that like the repeating things out loud in unison, I was like that sounds awful, yeah, it's just well, think about
0: it too. It's not just like it's not grade wise, you're all in the same room,, mm-hmm. and having the repeating it back to the teacher is gonna be the best way to drill it all into your mind at that point when you only have, say two books, oh, yeah, I'm sure
1: no one could write, in like there wasn't excessive writing material, I'm sure.
0: I'm sure there was a decent amount. It was just expensive, so like people probably made somewhat of your own um or like if you went into town a bigger town, you'd get it yeah but you wouldn't you don't write down as much
1: i I would just be yelling out loud, making loud noises, but you're right the uh repetition <laughs> is how you learn something. Mm-hmm. Around 1812, a second son was born to Thomas and Nancy Lincoln, the infant named after his father died in infancy. Thomas Lincoln never thrived in Kentucky, plagued by faulty land titles. He packed up again and headed west for Indiana in 1816. (laughs) So there you go. Here we are. Uh, The Lincoln family was moving to Little Pigeon Creek Community in what later became Spencer County, Indiana. And I, and this becomes Lincoln City, which is like three hours north of Central Indiana, like Indianapolis, Central Indiana. I okay. probably won't go there. Uh, Lincoln, <laughs> the Lincolns, Nancy and Thomas, and their children, nine-year-old Sarah and seven-year-old Abraham. So that's when they're moving. They're yeah, that's young. Abraham never forgot the brutally hard journey, part of which required the Lincolns to hack their way through thick, uncharted underbrush. Never a good planner, Thomas arrived to stake his claim in a harsh winter and had time to construct only a three-sided cabin exposed to the elements and barely warmed by a fireplace that had to be stoked 24 hours a day. That is very poor planning. Oh, thank God. It's cold here right now. It's going to be so cold tomorrow that if you go outside, your tits will fall off. Like, that's what they've told us. So I can't imagine living outside in three walls. With only a fire.
0: I mean, people did it. It wasn't smart, but they did
1: it. I need a heated blanket, okay? (laughs) Always need a heated blanket. Like I said, that became known as Lincoln City. But because of his fondness for writing, huh? I said, I wonder why. Oh, yeah. They're like, let's name it after the only important person to ever be there. Because of his fondness for writing, and because neither Thomas nor Nancy had ever quite mastered the skill, Abraham became the de facto letter writer of the family, penning letters to neighbors and family left behind in Kentucky. So he's writing to my family, I've decided. I have no real proof of this, the LaRue's. And there was an account, uh, you know, because once he became the Abraham Lincoln, rumors would start to fly around that his biological parents were not, in fact, his parents. So his dad wasn't his dad. and. One of the names that gets thrown around a lot is Abraham Enlo or someone with the last name of Enlo. And there's, I don't know if there was one, if it was in Connecticut or something, that they're saying that this man came with Nancy and Abraham as a baby and brought them to Thomas Lincoln and said, I will give you this much money to take my kid and my wife for whatever reason. This is dumb. Another accusation was Abraham Enloe, the boy that he ran to to say, hey, my wife's going into labor. Can you go get your mom? And one of the reasons they didn't believe that his dad was his dad is because he didn't look like his parents. So they didn't have the knowledge of genetics like we do now. Like NBA players are usually much taller than their parents, and they're still their parents.
0: Uh, I was going to say the wife theory. You actually, there was actually... um... It was kind of a way of divorce as like you would sell your wife okay. to another band.
1: I didn't understand. I was like, that's rude.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know how common it was in America at this point, but it was a way like kind of like mutually, sometimes mutually agreed, sometimes not,
1: but it happened. Yeah. And I think that's what I think they were really just reaching for his dad not being his dad because they didn't look alike. And. Now they've gone back and proven, like, they were together. They were married. They were living together. They did it. They had a baby. My great-grandmothers were there when the baby came out. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he could write. In autumn of 1818, the little community was struck by an illness, which went by many names. Puking fever, bilious fever, swamp fever, the slows, which is my personal favorite, but most commonly, milk sickness. Gag me. Ugh uh the cause thank you yeah no i I can pass the cause is now known to be from drinking milk from a cow that ate a plant called white snake root i was like no it's not known i didn't know that and it contains the poison trematol. i did not google that but i am qualified to google
0: so i am pretty there's people who study like for history they're like They study that kind of stuff. Trust me. They probably know. They like figured it out and like went back and like looked at all the occurrences. and are like, okay, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah. Because they're nerds. They're the best kind of nerds though.
1: Oh yeah. And if you didn't know that that's what caused it, like I don't know how long it took them to connect. It's milk that's doing this because it was probably a high calorie source for people. It would be cow's milk. And
0: probably the easiest protein you could get if you don't have if you don't want to kill your chickens or anything else. Also, another reason not to drink milk.
1: Good to know. Yeah. So Nancy started showing the first symptoms of the illness in late September, weakness, dizziness and loss of appetite. And on October 5th, 1818, Nancy died. Oh, no. I know. It's horrible. Not Nancy. Nancy, no, no. No. Nine-year-old Abraham helped his father make the crude coffin in which she was buried on the hillside of the homestead. The spot is now marked by a monument. The next year, Thomas brought home a new wife with children of her own. And I think there was like 10 of them in this one-room cabin. And somehow...
0: Again, I'm not shocked because he's like, I can't take care of these kids. I need myself a wife. Men tended to be widowers for maybe a year there was like a set period, like acceptable, which is like around a year, a little bit over women. I mean, depending on your case, you're kind of expected never to marry unless like you needed to for, you know, survival. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and I think they said that Abraham didn't have a problem with his stepmother that, you know, it was, it was just, a. can't believe how many were packed into this cabin. (laughs)
0: I'm surprised he wasn't traumatized by building his mother's coffin.
1: I know. I was like, "Dad, I cannot right now. Like this is going to need some serious therapy."
0: Indiana therapy in the in the 1800s. It's not <laughs> therapy. No.
1: It's called alcohol. Uh let's see. That. So, he slept in a loft reachable by a series of wooden pegs in the wall. And one stormy day, leaking rain soaked the George Washington biography that Abraham had borrowed from a neighbor. We know that story, right? That, and then he had to work it off doing. You know, uh, no, I did work.
0: not. But I, I, I avoid this shit.
1: OK, I think it's, it's this, really popular. I think it's really stereotypical that that he learned a good hard lesson that way. I feel like I learned that in school. Um, Who knows if
0: it's true then? I like that he had to rock climb basically up to oh, his yeah. bed.
1: And there was probably 10 of them up there. I guess that's how you stay warm. You adopt siblings.
0: It's like those tiny houses where the whole, like, loft area is the bed.
1: I want one. I don't want to give up my own house, but I want one of those, too.
0: So you can hide from your house?
1: Yeah. Well, I'd podcast (laughs) out there and not in the garage with the mice.
0: No. (laughs) They're fine. I'll send my dog over. She'll hunt them. She
1: probably will find it fun. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad.
0: You just have to deal with the mice screaming, which is kind of the worst.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I, I'll just do the mouse traps, which I make my dad set up and clean up. Mm, so, <laughs> Perhaps the most exciting and influential part of Lincoln's time in Indiana at 19 years old was a two-month span in 1828 when Abraham, c- accompanied by Alan Gentry, on a flatboat trip to New Orleans, his most influential time in Indiana was the time he left Indiana.
0: That's my most influential time in Nebraska is when I left Nebraska. Yep.
1: <laughs> he sees the opportunity to get away from rural southern Indiana and see more of the world by traveling down the Mississippi River with a boatload of agricultural products such as corn, pork, and cornmeal. However, New Orleans was home Indiana. to... Indiana. Yeah, it was just corn everywhere. However, New Orleans was home to the largest slave market in America. So this is probably the first time he's seen like, slaves like that. I don't know if he'd ever seen them before. So they think that was probably an influential moment. Again, not in Indiana. Uh,
0: Well, Kentucky, if he remembered Kentucky, Kentucky had a decent slave population.
1: Yeah. I was was like, it can't be the void of him ever seeing them. I don't know if he ever saw, like, obviously this slave market would be much larger. I think, I mean.
0: Also, like, because of New Orleans being Spanish and French, It like the slave market was a little different than like an American slave market.
1: That makes sense. Well, kind of. I mean, it's just different.
0: Yeah. So still better than the factories over in Africa. Those were way worse.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln spent the rest of his impoverished youth in the Hoosier state. Not until 1830 did Thomas uproot his family yet again and head farther west to Illinois. Abraham was now 21 years old, and he helped his father build a new log cabin near Decatur. He returned only once to his boyhood home in 1844. His visit brought back memories of the losses and experiences here, as well as some of the more joyous times. I don't know what. Inspired, he wrote the poem, My Childhood's Home I See Again. Well, I'm, I'm kind of sad
0: we've lost that randomly writing poems about shit.
1: Oh, yeah, just anything you case see in our lives. Instead of writing an account, you have to write a poem.
0: Like, how, oh tree, you are such a good tree.
1: You give me shade. I don't know how to write poems. <laughs> so uh, that's all I got. I'm not going any farther. People write about Abraham all the time. I'm just writing about the beginning. Yeah, and you hit about half an hour, or so that's good, right? Be a shorty. I'm okay with it. I well, there wasn't no much to say, like, but. Uh, let's see, my dad said that his sister did a project in school where they said we were related to Abraham Lincoln. I have yet to find that, just that we were living around his family at the same time and happened to be able to deliver babies. That's all that I found.
0: I mean, basically, you made sure Abraham, your family, made sure he didn't die in childbirth.
1: Yes. So you're welcome to world. I am solely responsible. I'll make sure everyone knows. We'll get a banner, some skywriters.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: I need to feel good about something that I actually had nothing to do with.
0: Yeah, you had very important ancestors that people know about. What's not fun about that?
1: Yeah. And it's all, yeah, it's all on my dad's side. My mom's like, okay, whatever.
0: <laughs> you gotta, you gotta just be like, yes. Uh-huh. Good.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all the time. That's all the time.
0: Okay. Do you wanna you wanna do some uh, plug-in?
1: Sure. What do I plug in? You're you're plug-in yourself. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was for another podcast. I was like, I didn't bring any other promos with me. It's just me.
0: <laughs> yes, I expect you when you visit. I expect you to bring the promos for the episode and more things. I don't know. Bring a box of things. <laughs>
1: A tackle box of mouse traps. That's what I bring to the party.
0: I don't want them. I would like some salt though, because I'm probably going to wipe out tomorrow, and that'll make two weeks in a row. I've probably fallen outside of my apartment.
1: <laughs> okay, we are Hoosier Homicide. You can find us at Hoosier Homicide. I don't want to spell it for you. I might spell it wrong. All the things. It will be tagged. Yeah, there you go. Click the link. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, thank you for coming to play. Thank you. And next time, I will be telling Danielle a story about murder.
1: Yes, no one died in my... Oh, okay, people died, but it was because of milk, and that doesn't count. Death by milk. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. In five, four. Hey everybody, this is Danielle. And this is Daniel. And I'm Carla. And we are Hoosier Homicide. A true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know what a Hoosier is. Do you? Yes. As a matter of fact, I do. Great. We don't need to look anything up. (laughs) Go to Wikipedia and type in Alabama Hot Pocket. No, don't do that. (laughs) And that'll tell you what a Hoosier is. Just come listen to us. You'll find out. Anyway, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Hoosier Homicide. You can also download any episode you prefer off of Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. We tell true crime stories with some random connection to our home state of Indiana. So come listen. That's what she said. For the love of God. (laughs) And for honest to goodness, stay Stay out of the corn. corn. Pretty good. Hey guys, it's
0: Tammy Merhep chavez And
1: Bryce Mitchell-Williams. We are the hosts of Hollyweird Paranormal. It's a podcast about Hollywood, true crime, and the paranormal based out of Los Angeles, California.
0: We spike this Hollywood cocktail with stories of true crime and its paranormal aftermath, along with dirty Hollywood scandals and secrets that make up this weird city of Hollywood and its surrounding areas that make up this crazy state of California.
1: Catch our episodes every Sunday on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Blueberry, and Stitcher.
0: life is too short to be normal stay weird with holly weird paranormal all
1: right but you mentioned a cocktail and now it's all i'm craving
0: right let's end this promo get one yes <sighs> thank you for listening to the cult of domesticity we are available on all podcatchers on social media we're on facebook and twitter at the domestic podcast and instagram at the cult of domesticity if you have a topic request information or want to send us a recipe please email us at the domestic at gmail.com and don't forget to rate review and subscribe and share with all your friends remember to stay domestic and cult free